We're continuing our series this morning through uh, the Gospels, from the birth of Jesus to the birth of the church. And last week, we explored about that Michigan U-turn, remember? That life of repentance, taking that 180-degree turn, a life of repentance that Jesus called the four disciples off the lake and into his service to live that repentant life. And today, we come to the the Sermon on the Mount that takes about four, three, chapter five to verse seven. That's three chapters. Three chapters is the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to have the introduction this morning, what's called the Beatitudes. But the Sermon on the Mount sort of gives substance to what this life of repentance looks like. It's sort of the ethics of this repentant life. And so I'm excited to begin to enter into this this morning. But before we do that, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, these words have been studied and explored and poked and prodded for centuries. Yet we still have not tired of them. (laughs) And still they fall upon our hearts and our souls like fresh rain. Today, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, may you bring that fresh rain to our thirsty hearts and souls and minds. May you make the word of life grow in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds and our community, we pray. We trust your spirit is here. We know you are working. And we thank you for that in the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who persecute you because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this is the word of the Lord. So I've learned something about my children. It's always a fun introduction. They like to repeat what is important to them. When I'm awoken at 6.30 in the morning, yes, with still having my bed head on, my son will say over and over again, breakfast, daddy, daddy, breakfast. Daddy, can I have my breakfast, please? Daddy, daddy, breakfast, breakfast. He'll repeat that same phrase, okay, I get it, until I get my son his breakfast. My son will repeat that same phrase over and over again, Because that's what's important to him, is breakfast is important to him. My daughter, on the other hand, thinks books are the most important things at 6 (laughs) a.m. Dada, boo, boogs, daddy, daddy, boogs. She's a little younger than Cohen. (laughs) But children use verbal repetition, and parents are nodding along with me. (laughs) Parents or children use verbal repetition to reveal what is important to them at any given moment. And adults do this too. Have you ever gone for coffee with somebody and they repeat the same topic over and over again and you're like, really, this again? You'll have moved on from a story or a particular idea and suddenly they'll weave it back into the conversation because that 
topic or story is of particular importance to them. In fact, when you go to see your therapist or your counselor, I think we should also have therapists and counselors, by the way, it's a common tool for them to listen to repeated themes or phrases, because often what is repeated reveals underlying important issues. In a song, it's often the, the message that is being revealed that is in the repeated phrase. In Christ alone, my hope is found. In Christ alone, who took on flesh. I could be wrong, but I think, I think that song is about the sufficiency of Christ alone. I don't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> repetition in conversation, repetition in a song, repetition in poetry often points to the heart of what is being presented. And similarly, in Scripture... Repetition can point to the heart of the message that is being communicated. A helpful interpretational tool when approaching a passage of Scripture is to look for the repeated words or phrases because the use of repetition serves as a signpost to what the author thinks is important. Repetition can be a helpful interpretational tool when coming to a text. And Matthew 5, verse 1 to 12, the fame Beatitudes is loaded with repetition. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, for example, is repeated in this passage right at the beginning of the Beatitudes and right at the end, telling us that they, whoever they are, possess in the present the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yet also repeated throughout this passage are the words will be. Six times, in fact, will or will be, suggesting that this is a future event, something that has yet to happen, that will happen. There's a future will-be component to this kingdom of heaven. Just a quick glance at what Jesus repeats in this passage reveals some important elements. The kingdom of heaven is possessed, experienced, known now in the present and yet the fullness of the kingdom of heaven and all its benefits and rewards is something that will be. It's a future event. But the mother of repetition in this text, the humdinger of repetition, is the word blessed. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are nine times in 12 short verses. What has this present yet future kingdom of heaven got to do with being blessed? What's this blessedness all about? Well, blessing is often associated with the activity of God, right? Blessing is something that God does. God bestows, pours out blessing on his people. To be blessed is not something that we conjure up ourselves. Rather, blessing is understood as the arena of God's activity. God blesses, right? And often blessing is considered a good thing, a positive experience. Blessings are generally positive things that we encounter in our lives when we think about blessing. Yet Jesus, he sort of flips the script a little on what one might first consider a blessing. He disturbs what we might consider blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, says Jesus. Really? Those whose internal world is bankrupt, depleted, weak, those people are blessed. <laughs> blessed are those who mourn. What? Do we often consider mourning a good thing? To be bereaved by situations beyond our control is a blessing? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know about you, but when I hunger or thirst, either physically or spiritually, I feel far from blessed. <laughs> blessed are 
blessed are you when people insult you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a blessing, does it? Blessed are you when people persecute you. Hold on a minute. What in the world has persecution got to do with blessing? Are you kidding me? I don't know about you, Jesus, but this list of blessings are sounding a lot like hardships and suffering. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> Can you imagine disciples hearing these words? Last week, Jesus called them off the lake to follow him. Jesus and his new band of followers have been traveling throughout Galilee, preaching and teaching and casting out demons. And everyone's tweeting and Facebook living about Jesus, and Jesus has gone viral. News about him has spread, says Matthew. So much so that a crowd is literally following him, not cyber followers. Literal followers are following Jesus around. And the disciples must have thought, we've got it made. Jesus is trending, and we are part of his inner circle. They must have been pinching themselves. How did we land this gig? They saw popularity and power and privilege laid out before them as they roll with Messiah Jesus. We're blessed. We got it made. Yet Jesus sits them down now on the side of the mountain. And he tells them what following him and the kingdom he is establishing really entails. <laughs> Jesus reframes what the disciples might have first considered blessing. To be blessed according to the kingdom of heaven is not about popularity or wealth or comfort or overthrowing the Romans and good old Israel restored as the disciples in that crowd might have first thought. To be blessed, suggests Jesus, is actually the opposite. It's upside down. Blessed are not the powerful but the poor in spirit, those who recognize their weakness and their deficiency yet look to heaven for provision. Blessed are those who mourn, who weep for a world of suffering and oppression, yet longingly look to the age to come where comfort will abound. Blessed are those who swim against the cultural current, who pursue humility in a world of pride, peace in a world of fear, mercy in a world of ruthlessness, purity in a world of sin. Blessed are those, suggests Jesus, who seek the values of the kingdom in a world devoid of them. To be blessed, suggests Jesus, is to be given the ability, the vision, the imagination, the commitment to pursue the kingdom in the midst of a world of suffering, injustice, and sin. Blessed are those, suggests Jesus, who are being transformed by the kingdom of heaven and deformed to the ways of the world. Oh, and by the way, says Jesus, when you live this blessed kingdom way, people will hate you for it. You will suffer they will insult you, they will slander you, they will persecute you, and they will kill you. <laughs> we can almost hear Andrew, Peter, James, and John gulp in the back of their throats from here. What have we signed ourselves up for? <laughs> Our culture has a way of thinking about what it is to be blessed. We find ourselves at the mall. The parking lot is usually jam-packed, yet right as we drive past the front entrance, a spot opens right up. Hashtag blessed. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we go into the mall and into our favorite clothing store, and we find a shirt that looks just swell, and it's on sale. Hashtag blessed. Heaven break out. But a question remains. Do they have my size? And so we scan through the rail, and aha, they have it. Hashtag blessed. Hail be the Lord. 
And we leave the store happy with our providentially ordained purchase. And we head to the coffee shop at Starbucks. And guess what? They have seasonal lattes. Hashtag blessed. I'll have a peppermint mocha. Thank you. (laughs) Blessed in our culture is a word often used to describe the positive things that we experience, the gains we make. Often we will associate blessed with possessions and benefits and privilege and pleasures that we experience. To be blessed is to be without suffering, right? Often when we think about blessing in this way, we'll say things like, I'm blessed with a husband or a wife. I'm blessed with a healthy family. I'm blessed with a good health plan. I'm blessed with a college degree. I'm blessed to live in a country where I can worship in freedom. Often when we use the term blessed, we use it to describe the positive things, the things that we don't suffer in this life. And of course, all good things come from God, absolutely, and we should rightly give thanks. But it raises a question when we think about blessedness in this narrow sense. Are those of us whose experiences in this life have not always been positive blessed? Are those of us whose families aren't healthy, are they blessed? Are those of us who struggle to stretch the paycheck every week, are they blessed? Are those of us who weren't born in a country of safety with religious freedom, are they blessed? Jesus, in the Beatitudes, he broadens our vision of what blessedness looks like. And it has less to do with wealth and privilege and comfort and power and pleasure. And it has everything to do with anchoring our lives in Jesus and the kingdom that he is ushering in. To be truly blessed is to have received new life in Christ, pursuing the kingdom over which he rules. And you can be poor or rich, young or old, single or married, educated or not not able-bodied or differently abled, healthy or ill, oppressed or free, and experience the blessed life. Amen? And more often than not, it's actually the have-nots and the sufferers of this world who experience more fully and know more the wonders of the kingdom because they know what it is for God to fill them. Being blessed, according to the Beatitudes, has less to do with our prosperous position and more to do with the posture of our hearts in the midst of all circumstances, in the midst of all positions. A posture in pursuit of the values and the way of the kingdom. Blessed is the homeless man out there in a doorway on Division Avenue, who in the midst of his material and emotional vulnerability believes and knows that the kingdom is his by the presence of Jesus in his life. Blessed is the person over at Holland Hospital right now, mourning for somebody who's passing away. Because yet they know and hope for the kingdom to come when there'll be no more death or no more mourning. Blessed is the high schooler who comes to the defense of a classmate who is being made fun of because she believes in a kingdom of justice and peace, even though it makes her unpopular. Blessed are those who seek the way of the kingdom, even if it means loss for them. Blessed are those who hope and believe in the goodness of the kingdom when life around them is bad. To be ultimately blessed is to be anchored in Jesus, to pursue his kingdom in the midst of every circumstances. In the morning when I rise, keep your Starbucks vanilla latte, give me Jesus. (laughs) 
Give me the kingdom. Jesus invites us to live this blessed kingdom-focused life, a blessed life that looks beyond the patterns and the values and the circumstances of this world to the kingdom that Christ is ushering in. And some of us may gulp in the back of our own throats at this all-encompassing following after Jesus. Some of us may shudder with fear at the places that such blessed kingdom living might take us, the compromises, the sacrifices it might require. Some of us might recognize our inadequacies and our reluctancy to want to step more fully in. But we got to remember, the kingdom is never divorced from the king. The blessings of heaven are never divorced from the blesser. The commands of the kingdom come from the mouth of the commander, and with him is the power, the opportunity, the guidance, and the grace to live in and for the kingdom. In the opening passage, in the opening verse of our passage this morning, Matthew's up to his old repetitive tricks. Notice how many references there are to he and him. Jesus saw the crowds, and he went up on the mountainside. His disciples came to him, and he began to preach to them. And he said, I don't know about you, but that's an excessive use of a pronoun. (laughs) That would not have passed my high school English class. But perhaps Matthew has purpose. Perhaps Matthew is encouraging us to keep him. Jesus in view, because if we have any chance at all at living this kingdom business, it's only in and through him. And who is he? Who is him? (laughs) Well, Matthew, up until this point in the gospel, has used a number of titles to reveal who he is. Who is he? He's the Messiah. Jesus, the son of David, says Matthew in chapter 1, verse 1. He's the savior of the world, said the angel, brought to deliver the world from sin. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the king of the Jews, said the Magi. He's the baptizer with Holy Spirit fire, said John the Baptist. He's my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, said God the Father. He's the light to the Gentiles, said Isaiah through the pen of Matthew. And he's worth giving everything to follow in his way, said the disciples when they dropped their nets and they answered his call. The disciples... They may have gulped in their own throats at the daunting task of this kingdom living, but they trust the king. They know the blesser. They follow the commander. They have encountered Jesus' power, and they have found him faithful and true. In Jesus, the kingdom has come. With Jesus, the kingdom is possible, and through Jesus is the strength and the guidance to participate. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, writes Paul, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with, let's say this word together, every. Who has blessed us with spiritual blessing in Christ. Blessed are they who receive from Christ entrance and involvement in the kingdom. In this we have already received everything that we need. In this we have already received blessedness to the fullest measure. You can have this world. (laughs) Give me Jesus. In 1966, in a small mining town of Aberfan in Wales, which is in the UK, there was a horrific tragedy. On top of a hill close to the mine was a spoil tip filled with dirt and gravel and mining waste. And after some heavy rains, the tip was at capacity. 
and it was a volcano waiting to explode. And on October 21st at 9.15 a.m., the tiff gave way, causing a devastating landslide. And at the bottom of the hill was a school in which students and teachers had just gathered for class. And by 9.16 a.m., the whole school was engulfed in a river of slurry, taking the lives of 116 children and 28 adults. In the days and weeks that followed, the residents of Aberfan, this little Welsh town, dug day and night to retrieve the ones that they had lost. The residents of Aberfan were poor in spirit. <laughs> were they mourning? You better believe it. Were they longing for justice and answers? Absolutely. Yet there's a powerful moment recorded in the archives of the BBC where this little community in the midst of their suffering sought the kingdom. On the day of the funeral, as the family stood by many, many open graves lining the cemetery, they lifted their voice in harmonious chorus. And if you can hear the recording online, I encourage you to because it sounds heavenly. <laughs> they lifted their voices to sing, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high, hide me, O my Savior, hide, till the storm of life is past. Safe into thy haven guide, or receive my soul at last. Even in their suffering, they are blessed. For Christ has given the promise of the kingdom that is experienced and known now by the presence and power of Jesus in our lives. And the kingdom will come in its glorious fullness when Christ comes again. And this is our only hope in life and in death, a promise that Drew proclaimed today. Blessed are you who have been given life in Jesus and the strength and the grace to seek the kingdom in the midst of whatever circumstances we endure. When Christ lives in us and through us this way, friends, he makes us healing salt for the wounds of this world. He makes us light in dark places. Christ makes us rejoice and be glad for the king and the kingdom are our richest reward. Amen. You know, I like to sing and pray sometimes. I wanted to do that this morning, but I don't think I could pull this one off. <laughs> so I've asked Sarah to pray for us as we respond to the sermon. So let's close our eyes and pray together. Yeah. 